0: Covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pawley. And we do welcome you in to another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pawley. Thanks so much for uh, making us a part of your uh, podcasting listening week. If you're like me, you listen to a lot of podcasts, and sometimes it's hard to uh, listen to all the ones that you want to listen to. So uh, we appreciate you uh, fitting us in to uh, what I'm sure is a very busy schedule for you. A couple of housekeeping sort of things to uh, take care of before we really get underway with the podcast this week. Uh, First and foremost, if you are someone who listens to us on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, whatever you want to call it, if you have a couple minutes and can leave a review of the podcast That would be absolutely fantastic. Those reviews help us uh, move up the charts and more people find us and things like that. And uh, the goal is for as many people to listen to uh, this podcast as possible. So if you enjoy the podcast and can take a couple minutes to uh, leave a review, that would be great. Secondly, if you ever have any comments on the podcast or comments on uh, what we talk about inside of the podcast, feel free to uh, drop me a tweet just tweet at me at Matt Pauly on air M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air is the best way to uh, get in contact with me you can also always drop me an email if you would like Matt.Pauly at WTMJ.com we're in our uh, off season uh, kind of mode of podcast so every podcast is going to look a little bit different sometimes we'll go down on the farm sometimes we won't sometimes we'll have our headlines of the week sometimes we won't Uh, one concept. Is. We'll always have our social media conversation, and uh, this week we are going to be joined by Brew Crew Ball Managing Editor Kyle Lesneski. You also can uh, read him uh, on occasion uh, over at uh, Baseball uh, BP uh, Milwaukee, Baseball Prospectus Milwaukee as well. He uh, helps out uh, over there. So uh, we've got a long, extended conversation, and really until the World Series wraps up, uh, we're at a point where the off season hasn't really hit, so it's still a lot of very kind of generic looking back at the season and looking forward to next season, not really knowing any of the major changes that uh, might take place. So those are the kind of conversations uh, that we are going to uh, continue to have with a lot of our uh, key, uh, very common uh, interviewees that we have on during our social media conversation, and uh, Kyle is certainly someone that we've had on the program uh, quite a few times. The World Series this year is going to feature the Los Angeles Dodgers against the Houston Astros, uh, and that's going to be I think that's going to be a good World Series. We'll see if I have to pick a team right now. We uh, record this on Sunday nights, the game one is not until Tuesday. If I have to pick a winner, I would think the Dodgers would probably uh, win the series, but you never know. And there was that Sports Illustrated cover uh, all those years ago that said the Houston Astros are going to be 2017 World Series champions. So maybe that's going to uh, take place. But I was thinking about this the other day, and I actually mentioned this. I was hosting a Wisconsin Sports Weekend this past Saturday on 620 WTMJ, and I got into this a little bit, but I, I didn't do the subject, the justice that it deserved, and really have enough time to really go through it. Because I look at the four teams that made it to the respective league championship series. On the National League side of things, the Dodgers and the Cubs. On the American League side of things, the Astros and the Yankees. Now, obviously, two of those teams have been knocked out. The Yankees are done and the Cubs are done. But I I kind of thought to myself how all those teams had done it kind of differently to get to where they're at. And we we don't totally know how the Brewers are going to try to continue to play at the highest level. Like we know they're in the middle of a rebuild and that they tore the whole thing down, and they gutted the system, and they're really focused on you know bringing in high-level prospects and cultivating them, developing them, having them play out a number of years, being able to have cost-controlled talent. We know all that, and so I'm not saying that that's not true. But as they get to that next point, and they may not even be there quite yet, even with the good season they had this year, they might still be another year or two away. Or maybe we find some things out during the course of this offseason but as the Brewers do get to a point where they're on the cusp of maybe being a championship-level team, we're talking World Series championship, Well the question is what do they do to fill out those holes on the roster? Are they going to be a team that really completely relies on the prospects coming through the minor league system? Are they going to be a team that is okay trading away some of those prospects to be able to go get... Uh, some major league ready talent, or are they going to be a team that tries to uh, play it out in free agency? And I really don't think that's going to be the case. But even Mark Atanasio said near the end of this past regular season that where the payroll is at uh, going into this year, I think the term he used was that he could that they could maybe punch above their weight, I mean maybe they'll spend a little bit more money. And you look at these four teams in the league championship series, and you get to an LCS, you've had a good year. No matter what, I don't want to hear Cubs fans saying this wasn't a good year because they lost to the Dodgers in the NLCS. The Cubs had a really good year. They had a 92 win regular season, and they went to the National League Championship Series. Most teams in baseball absolutely will accept. A, a trip to a league championship series, and there's a difference between being in a divisional series and in a, a championship series. You don't see you don't really see teams that get to divisional series or to championship series fire their managers. You do see that happen with division series. Dusty Baker doesn't have a job anymore. John Farrell doesn't have a job anymore. But the the respective managers across the board uh, for the four teams that made it to the league championship series, they're all going to be back. Now the Cubs made some changes. They got rid of their pitching coach and Chris Bosio, uh, but you you kind of saw that uh, there'd seemingly been, you know, even going back to the comments he made about Eric Thames back in April. Um, you all the insider information that was being reported inside of Chicago said that the the club was not real happy with those uh, with him and those comments that he made. So that's neither here nor there here at the moment. Uh, but I look at these four teams. Uh, and I see how they got to where they're at. And the one the one comparison that I don't think you're ever—that there's any chance you can make, probably the Dodgers—you know, I'll say two comparisons, because you look at what happened in the, with the National League Championship Series. The Dodgers are a team that just spend a ton of money, and they're willing to go out and get as many free agents as possible. Now, that doesn't mean they don't have players on their team that they uh, brought through the minor league system. They absolutely do— you know, Cody Bellinger is a great example of that. The, but the Dodgers are a team. They're like what the Yankees were in the '90s. They're going to go out and they're going to spend more money than anybody else, and they're going to bring guys in, and they are able to afford that. So the Dod, the that's one path that I think we can all agree that the Brewers are not going to be on. I also don't think they're going to be on the same path as the Cubs because the Cubs are the Cubs are a bit of a hybrid. They're a team that. Tore it all down, kind of like the Brewers are doing. But once they were ready to start competing at a higher level, they started making trades and they started signing free agents. And they, like the Dodgers, have as much money as they want to spend and they're not afraid to spend it. So they, it started with the minor league system, but since then it's, kind of tr- tr- it's changed into a scenario where they're spending a lot on free agents and they're also going out and they're acquiring talent. And then you look over to the American League, and the Yankees, like I said, you know, in the 90s, they were spending as much money as anybody. And the Yankees still have a very high payroll. Don't get me wrong. It's not like they're shying away, but they are, they're being more careful. They're not just trading away prospects willy-nilly to be able to uh, bring in Major League talent, especially Major League talent that they can't control for an extended amount of time. So the Yankees are kind of a hybrid as well, and they're more and more seemingly trying to shift towards the idea of being able to uh, have their core be players that they brought up. And then you have the Astros, and the Astros are the team that probably resemble what the future Brewers would look like the most. The Astros are a team that completely tore it down. Now the Brewers are ahead of the timetable that the Astros sent, but they completely tore it down. They are largely built from within. Uh, now, admittedly, they went out and they, they made a trade this year for uh, Justin Verlander, which is a big trade and they gave away a lot for him. But you look at that, uh, that roster, it is largely built from the minor league system with some very carefully placed free agent signings and also uh, traits. But for the most part, they are built from the minor league system. So if you're trying to figure out which team to probably compare their path to a league championship series and where the Brewers most likely or how the Brewers most likely would get to that same point – it would probably be the Astros, and that's not a surprise. I mean, you look at where David Stearns came from, and there's obviously a lot of similarities uh, between the Brewers and the Astros. All right, so we've got a fair amount to get to uh, today, specifically in our conversation with uh, Kyle Lesneski. He is the managing editor of Brew Crew Ball. He is our uh, guest this week on our social media conversation, which pretty much starts right now. After every Brewers game, signing an announcement, bloggers and podcasters hit the web to get... Give their take now we bring them all together it's the social media roundtable and it starts now brewers extra readings the podcast is powered by wtmj mobile we do continue on it is time for our social media conversation and very happy to welcome uh, back onto the program the managing editor over at brew crew ball his name is uh, kyle lesneske kyle always great to talk to you how are you doing
1: I'm doing well. I'm doing well.
0: How about you? Uh, doing real good. I uh, appreciate you taking some time with us. and uh, We continue to kind of just still uh, look back at the season that was. It seems like it was a while ago now that the season came to an end, but it, it really wasn't that long ago. And uh, As I've talked to a lot of the different folks that we regularly talk to here in the social media conversation, my first question is always this. As you've spent some time maybe reflecting back on the season, what's the, what's the thing that, that most sticks out to you that you remember about this past year?
1: Um, I guess the thing that sticks out to me the most is um, the type of impact that we saw from a lot of the younger members of the roster. Um, you know, guys that we are sure hoping that are going to be you know kind of an in integral part of the team here going forward. Um, you know, we saw another strong season out of Zach Davies, who's you know posted two sub four ERA seasons in a row now. Um, you know, through 190 plus innings this year. And, uh, you know, when when the Brewers picked him up from the Orioles in 2015 is, Hey, this is a guy who, you know, his stuff might not be the greatest, but Hey, you know, maybe he's a good number three, number four starter. And it looks like he's a pretty good number three, number four starter. And, uh, you know, we saw Domingo Santana kind of finally get his health in order and play a full season. And we, we saw how productive he can be in a full time role and, you know, when the Brewers picked him up in 2015, um, he had just recently, I think, lost his prospect eligibility, but had been a top 100 prospect league-wide for um, a couple of years before that. And you know, somebody that looked like you know maybe he could be a, a three or four uh, win above replacement outfielder, a guy who had 30 home run power, and um, and you know that's that's what we saw this year. A guy who went out, and um, you know, he was probably the Brewers' most consistent offensive all season long and, and really a rock a rock there in the lineup. I guess in a little bit smaller samples, you know, the, the type of impact that uh, a guy like Josh Hader had in the bullpen and, um, you know, Brandon Woodruff in, in the starting rotation and uh, Brett Phillips coming on strong towards the end of the season. And it certainly looks like he's put himself in good position to get, uh, to get a pretty good shot at that center field job next spring. So, you know, it, it's really nice to kind of look back on the season and, you know, when this whole process started, the Brewers went out and they made all these trades and, and brought in all these prospects and, and, you know, at, at that point, you're, you're hoping to wait a couple of years and see that these guys get up to the big leagues and if they can pan out and, and, you know, here we are a couple of years after the rebuild started in 2015 and we're seeing some of these guys start panning out at the big league level and, and that they can be, very impactful players and and guys that's you know the brewers are really getting a, a core in place you know
0: it's interesting to me that you mentioned first off Domingo Santana and Zach Davies because these are two guys who were acquired uh, by Doug Melvin when uh, in his final season as the general manager these were not guys acquired by David Stearns and Davies did you know that is back-to-back good years for Davies but two years ago he doesn't start the season with the club he comes up uh, due to injuries uh, they still felt confident enough with him that they, they you know played around with the service time when they sent him down to Triple A at the all-star break uh, last year but now he has that first, you know the full season season at the big leagues and plays well what is that the, the fact that those two guys kind of came at the at the beginning of this rebuild and were Doug Melvin guys and everything does that should Brewers fans take anything away from uh from those two guys and you know maybe even how it represents that it does take a while sometimes for some of these prospects to to really develop even if you get guys who are triple a uh they they take a little while to get there
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think that's a good point. And, um, you know, another guy that we can kind of throw into that conversation too is Corey Knabel, who was acquired by Doug Melvin. Um, I guess even before really the rebuild kind of kicked into kicked it a gear um, with that, uh, January, 2015 trade with Texas that sent Giovanni Gallardo down there. Um, and you know, he's another guy too, who he came up when he first got to the Brewers and, and showed some potential Uh, He's a guy that, you know, hey, you know, maybe this guy could be a future closer. And, you know, he kind of struggled last year. He dealt with some injuries. He dealt with some poor performance. He got sent down to the minor leagues and spent some time down there and, you know, obviously came back this season and and certainly showed that, you know, he can be one of the most elite relievers in, in all of baseball. And. You know that that's one thing as we're as we're bringing these guys up to the big leagues. These names that we've talked about, you know, for the last couple of years, the Phillips, the Brinsons, um, you know, as we start seeing more guys like that, and you know, the Lucas Irsegs down further down on the farm, and guys like Corey Ray and stuff like that. Um, you know, it's it's rare to see guys come up to the big leagues and be immediately impactful. You know, for every Josh Hader that we saw come up and, and, you know, he was just pretty much lights out from day one, you know, there's going to be guys like Corey Kniebel who's going to, you know, maybe go back and forth a little bit before, you know, he really finds his footing and takes that next step. And, you know, even even in the broader ter- scheme, of grand scheme of baseball, look at a guy like Aaron Judge, you know, pretty much going to be the American League MVP la- or this year. Um, came up his rookie, or his first call up to the big leagues last year hit under 200 and struck out in 40% of his plate appearances. And now, you know, he's maybe the best player in the American league this year. So, you know, it's, it's like I said, really rare to see guys come up and right away hit the ground running. So as fans, we should keep that in mind when we start seeing these guys filter up to the big leagues. And, and we already saw it a little bit, maybe with some of the struggles that, um, Lewis Brinson endured in his, you know, brief uh, big league call ups this year. Um, it's really rare to see these guys come up right away and and make a huge impact. So we've got to kind of temper what our expectations are going to be for a lot of these guys, especially at first, and and give them the time that they need to develop. Because not not every player comes up and and is a hit right away, and you know sometimes it, it may even take three or four years. Look at a guy like Jimmy Nelson who debuted. Um, debuted back in uh, 2012 actually was his or 2013 was his was his first call up and folks you know, here, here we are in 2017 and he's just now finally shown that hey you know maybe this guy's a number number three number two starter and you know that that's what he went out and did this year so we just got to remember that not all these guys are going to come up and be successful and not all these guys are going to going to come up and be successful right away so we just we got to remember to be, be patient and give these time give these guys time to find their footing in the big leaps before you know we start crying, Oh, this guy's a bust and all and all stuff like that.
0: It's a good point. Yeah, I think people who are probably listening to this podcast Understand that prospects take a little while, but I can tell you, there's people who you know call into my shows on WTMJ who you know d- didn't understand what why why would they ever be playing Lewis Brinson when he was up, you know, when he's hitting under 200, and you know don't like the don't even care about hearing about prospects coming through the system. And there's a there's a business of baseball disconnect sometimes with a fan base, and it, not that the the Brewers as a team are ever responding to a fan base, and not that that group is vocal enough to. Match matter but there certainly are people out there that don't understand what's going on through player development and how that is eventually going to help the big league team
1: yeah absolutely i mean baseball is it's a you know sort of a different animal from the other sports because in the nfl you you see these first round draft picks and and you expect the guy that that the packers draft in the first round to come out and kind of have an immediate impact right away um same thing in the nba you know you're hoping that that wants to pick this guy and, and he'll come in and and he'll, you know, you, you see these players come and play for your major league team right away. Um, But in baseball, you know, we're always kind of waiting. We make this first round pick and well, you know, hopefully everything will go well and, and he'll be in the big leagues within, you know, the next three years or so. Um, So, so you're always kind of waiting. And for the casual fan, you know, it's harder to kinda of keep up with all that kind of stuff and and determining, you know, what minor league statistics are useful and all that kind of stuff and um, you know, the the service time rules in baseball and the way that guys are have their pull ups manipulated and all that kind of stuff. For for a casual fan that's a lot to kind of take in and have to understand. So, you know, it, it's it's easy to kinda of see why um Why that kind of stuff doesn't really resonate with, resonate with casual baseball fans who might not have as much of a, a deep interest in the sport, um, because it's just, it's so much different from the experiences that they get in watching how players kind of develop in the other major sports
0: the big story in the first month of the season was Eric Thames and when you take his numbers from the entire season uh, they they were fine they were especially for what his game paid they they were good but if you get rid of that first month of the season and just take his numbers from there on out he's n- that wasn't an overly productive season where do where do you stand on him is he somebody that you feel like has a good chance of you know putting not recreating what he did in the first month this past season but somebody who can be a little bit more consistent throughout the course of the year in his second full season back in the big leagues?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, when you look at it all all over, um, you take away Eric Sainz's month of April. Uh, I want to say I ran the numbers on a couple of weeks ago. Um, from May 1st on through the end of the season, he had uh, weighted runs created plus of 103. So even taking away his first month he was still an above average offensive player and hit 20 home runs um, you know obviously we we shouldn't have expected him to keep up um, the the pace that he put out in April you know you can't really expect anybody to hit like that for the whole season um but you know overall overall he was productive even I guess even if you take away that that first month of the year, he probably still would have would have more than earned that relatively meager, uh, four and a half million dollars or so that he got this year. Um, so going forward, at at least in the next year, I feel pretty comfortable with, um, with the setup of Sainz and Aguilar over at first base. I think that's a good, um, good right left platoon situation. And, um, you know, I, I, think that, uh, next year, um, it'll be you know uh, it'll be different going into the season for Thames because he'll have already you know gone through the full 162 game season and if you go back to um, remember back to kind of more closer to the beginning of the year after that first month of the season he started having some issues with his legs and with his hamstrings and um, he attributed a lot of that to trying to get back to the use. Youths- trying to get used to the grind of what a hundred and sixty two game baseball season is like in, in the majors because it was a very different schedule that he was playing in, in Korea with a lot more built in days off. So I think that knowing that and knowing what what he went through this year will probably affect a lot of, you know, the sort of off season training and, and stuff that he does over the winter to kind of come back so that he can make sure that his body is is ready for the rigors of, of a longer and more intense season than, than what he had been used to in Korea. I, I, um, so f- I feel like he's probably got a lot, a lot better handle on what he needs to do to be at his best for the whole year.
0: I feel borderline dirty even mentioning this because it's almost a joke on Twitter at times amongst fans. But he was asked about it this week, so I'll bring it up. And this isn't <laughs> this isn't a next year thing. Uh, I this, know what
1: you're talking about. Chris.
0: I, I, this I think you're right, but the with um, going forward with Thames and and Aguilar next year. But Ryan Braun was asked on a radio interview on our radio station on WTMJ this week uh, about him being open to switching positions and first base. Was brought up. Now I don't think he's going to first base any time, and it's something that people bring up all the time, and I laugh about. But since he was asked about it this week, and he basically said he'd be okay with that, is that a is that something that the Brewers, at the very least, should keep in the back of their mind going forward? Especially if if it does, you know, if, if the Thames Aguilar thing is non, is not going to work past uh, this upcoming year or two years from now, maybe at some point you do start to play Braun a little bit at first base.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I definitely think it's something that the blue should, you know, consider exploring maybe at some point down the road. I don't, I don't know that we're necessarily at that point yet this year. Um, or this, this upcoming year, um, lo- looking back, Ron, Ron was still, uh, he graded above average in left field per, um, defensive run saved and per fielding runs above average. So, I mean, he's still, he's still able to go out and get it in left field. He, he's not, you know, he's, not a gold glover by any means, but he certainly doesn't hurt the team out there. Um, and, you know, when you when you think about, you know, the, the Brewers have all these outfield prospects and this and that, and, you know, you kind of see over the long major league season how even when you think you have so much depth at a position, that depth can really be tested. And um, we, we saw that a lot this year with the Brewers. You know, at, at times they were only carrying two real outfielders on the roster I and mean, they were playing Hernan Perez a lot out in the outfield. And um, Nick Franklin was getting a plethora of outfield starts at <laughs> at various points throughout the year. And then, you know, they started kind of looking more at some of that minor league depth after we got past, um got past kind of that super two cutoff in early June. And we started seeing the Brinsons and the Phillips and, you know, then, then of course we get towards the end of the season and, and Brinson gets hurt and he, you know, he's another guy who's, who's, taken away from that depth. So, you know, I don't think necessarily that right now would be the best time to kind of limit that depth, um, especially, you know, given that we're probably expecting to have a competitive team next year too. Um, But, you know, as, as we go forward and, you know, Thames' contract is only for three years um, with the, with the club option at the end of course. I mean, he could potentially only be here for another two seasons, but Ryan Braun is going to be here for another four. So, you know, as we get towards the end of that contract and if they don't have some hot shot first base prospect coming up to the minor leagues or something like that, um, I I certainly think that it's something that the club should definitely be open to if, if Ryan Braun is open to it. Um, And, you know, it, it, it doesn't, it's not an automatic that, you know, he's going to be able to go out and pick up the position. And, you know, we we saw the Brewers kind of experimented with um, Chris Davis at first base in the past, and that didn't end up working out. And you know it's not a given that these guys are going to be able to go out and, and play whatever position. It's not as simple as like, you know, changing their listed position on MVP or on MLB, the show or something like that, you know, but, um, you know, in, in the future, in another couple of years, if you know the Brewers end up moving on for American Thames in, in two years or so, maybe that would be the time to start considering it a little bit more seriously. Give these guys, um, you know, like uh, Trent, Trent Clark, and Corey Ray down further down in the minors, a little more time to kind of filter up and and help solidify that advanced outfield depth.
0: He also mentioned that he felt like he could still play shortstop. I I don't want. I just want to see him play one game or one inning, maybe. I want to see him take one uh, one opportunity at short.
1: Yeah, I, I would. Um, I would certainly be interested in seeing how that that would turn out. I've got a um, a buddy uh, from high school, and that's always kind of been his running joke. Uh, he grew up in Florida and um, saw Ryan Braun uh, when he was playing down at Miami. so oh, you know, maybe the Blues will. Maybe the, the Brewers will move him there this year, and it's kind of kind of his joke at
0: the beginning of every season. That's uh, funny. We're talking with uh, Kyle Osneski, who is the managing editor over at uh, Brew Crew Ball. From a um, from a standpoint of pitching, obviously at one point in the year it was really, really good, and by the time the end of the year came down with, with Matt Garza not available and Jimmy Nelson's injury, it, they were working with almost, you know, two and three-quarters starting pitchers, it seemed like, and a lot of bullpen games and so forth. It's At one point, it seemed like you just mentioned you know, depth being tested in the outfield. Well, definitely got t- tested with the pitching. Is that the area going into next year, starting pitching, that you want to see the team address more than uh, any other area?
1: Um, I would say going into this offseason, the, the two biggest priorities for the team are probably going to be addressing something at second base and then yes, addressing something as far as the starting pitching goes. Um, Jimmy Nelson's injury really kind of casts a a pretty big cloud on, on the rotation for next year. And, um, I mean, at this point I would, I wouldn't really expect much of anything. I would just expect that 2018 is probably going to be a wash for Jimmy Nelson. So they should probably just kind of plan for, I plan for that going into the off season. Um, you know, you should have a, a pretty decent top of the rotation with um, with Chase Anderson and Zach Davies, and I, it feels a lot like Brandon Woodruff is probably going to have a spot in that rotation um, coming out of spring training as well. Um, but really, I think the Brewers should probably strongly consider acquiring two starting pitchers this this off season. I'd like to see them, you know, make make one of those last year acquisitions, whether it's on the free agent market or going out and getting somebody in a trade, um, somebody that you can kind of plug in at the top of your rotation. you know, a, a guy who's, who's going to go out and be a, be a workhorse for you and, and go out and help you win a lot of ball games. And then, um, beyond that, I would like to see probably at least one, if, if not a couple depth signings, um, some guys, uh, maybe interesting, like, uh, Philly Chassin, um, who had a sub-4 ERA uh, with the Padres this year, um, actually pitched pitched a pretty good season, uh, had his fastball velocity go up about a mile an hour or so, and, and he's got um, a history of some, some pretty successful seasons, especially pitching in Colorado, as he has in, in his career previously. And um, another guy that I've kind of got my eye on is uh, Tyler Chatwood, who... Also, kind of came up through the Colorado system, but didn't experience quite the level of success that Shasin did. Um, but he's a guy who uh, he's got the hardest average fastball velocity um, of any of the free agent starters available on the market this winter. Um, he's a ground ball specialist, a guy who's you know consistently posted ground ball rates near sixty percent, which is something that's you know kind of always caught the eye of uh, of the Brewers um, guys who are, who are able to keep the ball on the ground, um, playing in North park. So, you know, he's, he's a guy who I think the Brewers could have, um, could have some interest in this winter. Um, and then, you know, beyond that, they've still got a lot of internal candidates that they can kind of start sorting through. You know, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, if we, you know, maybe see a guy like Corbin Burns next year, you know, we could maybe see a guy like Freddie Peralta next year on um, two guys that, that came up to uh double a this year both pitch cast seasons in double a and were really outstanding um john perrin is another guy who could be a name to keep an eye on um he's pitching in the arizona fall league for the blues right now um 28th round draft pick in 2015 but he's he's really already outperformed where he was drafted um you know threw up a threw up a sub three era for the Shuckers this year. Um, Aaron Wilkerson's a guy, you know, we, we might see him get another couple of starts. Um, and then, you know, Junior Garrett's still on the roster, too, and if he makes it through the winter, you know, it wouldn't be surprising to see the Brewers give him another shot. But, but you know, among all the internal candidates and stuff that they got, it would be advantageous for, for a team that's looking to go into next season and and compete for a playoff spot to go out and, and bring in some, some high-quality pitching for
0: sure. You didn't really mention Josh Hader. Now, there's, I, I think there's still internal arguments maybe even going on inside of the Brewers organization, obviously outside of it, as to whether or not to try to turn him back into a starter next year or keep him as a bullpen guy where he's been you know, so incredible uh, with what he did after getting caught up this year. Uh, where, where do you stand on Hader?
1: Um for me right now it's it's still difficult to want to take Hater out of that role even with the um even with the issues that the bruce kind of had with their starting pitching depth um it, he just he was so electric in that role and if you can spread that out over a full season you know it, it makes it even that more valuable cuz he only pitched, you know, three quarters of a season not even probably this year so um and a thing that you've got to kind of keep in mind, too, is that um, the most innings Hater has ever thrown in a season is 125, and he didn't even get to that plateau this year. So if the Brewers were planning on using him as a starter next year, they would either have to start him in the bullpen or kind of alternate between starts and bullpens with him, um, or they would have to get to a point sometime in the year where they would probably shut him down. Um, but there, I mean, there's no way that he would be able to throw more than probably 140 innings next year. And and even that is probably idealistic. Um, so it's, it's still interesting to think about him as a starting pitching prospect. Um, you know, he's, he's shown flashes of, of a really great changeup and a really great slider. Um, but he just doesn't seem to have the consistency yet with those pitches that, that you need to succeed in the starting role, where you've got to go through a lineup more than one time and um, you know still struggles with the walk rates and, and throws a lot of pitches outside the zone and when you're a high strikeout high walk guy you're, you're going to throw a lot of pitches and you know it, it's just easy to imagine him getting into a lot of situations and having a lot of starts where you know hey it's Two outs in the bottom of the fifth and you know Hayter's already up over a hundred pitches. So um it just I think right now the best role for Hayter is in the bullpen for probably both his career right now and for what's in the best interest of the team. Is there
0: also something to be said? I mean if you're a starting pitcher you throw some worthless innings. You throw innings in, in games that your team is up big, games you know where you, you just didn't have it. If you keep him in the bullpen, you almost guarantee that the vast majority of his innings that he pitches are going to come at important times in games, and there's something to be said for that.
1: Right, exactly. Um, Adam McAlvey put it in a really interesting way um, in a radio interview that I heard him do a few weeks ago. And... Um, you know, kind of the discussions that are going on with the Brewers is, you know, if you put Josh Hader into a starting role, then at most he's going to affect around 30 games a season. Um, but if you use Josh Hader out of the bullpen and unleash him as kind of that fireman guy, you know, he could contribute to 60 plus games over the course of a season. And like you said, you know, starters go out and they, they throw a lot of worthless things. But when you've got a guy like Josh Hader in your bullpen, he's the guy that you're going to bring in, you know, in a in 3-2 a game when you've got runners on and it's the middle of the sixth inning and, you know, this is the key spot in the game and we got the big lefty coming up the bat. And, you know, Hader can go out and, and you can trust him to get that guy and then pitch the next inning or two and, and get you to your... Setup guy and even your clothes. So that to me, just when he when he kind of put it in that in that way, having having Hater able to affect that many games and help to that many victories, just it just seems to me like that's that's going to be where he's going to have the most impact impact for the Brewers going forward.
0: The team went into this past year giving the second base job to Jonathan VR and it didn't work out. He's still around. Neil Walker's a free agent. They're probably going to bring somebody in. Do you, is is it appropriate to bring Jonathan VR back? Is it a situation where, you know, maybe his makeup isn't great for competing for jobs? So maybe you try to move on from him in some way. What would you like to see happen? Really, it's kind of a two-part question uh, when you consider both the existence of VR on the roster and also what they should do with second base.
1: Um yeah, I I would like to see them make an addition at second base. Um if they wanted to re sign Neil Walker I would be I would be pretty in favor of that. Um Cesar Hernandez is another guy who could be available out on the trade market, had a really nice season, uh, three seventy on base percentage for the Phillies this year. Um and uh Eduardo Nunez of the Red Sox. Um he's gonna be coming up as a free agent this winter and he's another guy, you know, that, that seems kinda interesting to me as well. Um but as far as PR goes, I guess I, I'm i not, I guess, comfortable talking about, you know, what his makeup might be or makeup issues or anything like that because I don't really have any firsthand knowledge or any of that kind of stuff. It seems like he, you know, says all the right sorts of things in, in interviews and, and stuff like that. And um, But, you know, it was just, it was a really frustrating season to watch and there were just times where he almost looked lost at the plate. And, um, obviously was overall his, his production was very poor. Um, but he did kind of come back and, and, you know, was at least decent, um, in the second half and, and put together some good games in September. Um, so, you know, hopefully that can kind of put a little bit of optimism heading into next season. He did at least get, you know, get that bad average up over 240. So, um, being down at around two ten to twenty throughout most of the year, I guess that's you know not something that you can just shake your head at. Um, but I I wouldn't feel comfortable giving him giving him the second base job with with everybody else that's kind of um that's that's his market as Solberg and Walker are leaving. Um, I, I don't think the Brewers should cut ties with him. Um, so something I would be interested in seeing is maybe him um, getting some more time in the outfield and expanding his knowledge out there so that you know, maybe they can deploy him in sort of a Hernan Perez kind of role. And given what VR has shown that he's capable of offensively, I certainly think that he would have a much higher ceiling than a guy like Hernan Perez in a super utility role like that. Um, so, you know... it. I wouldn't mind seeing him, you know, get some starts at second base and all over the infield stuff like that. If they want to platoon him somewhere, you know, that's fine. Um, I, I wouldn't count on him being an everyday player next season, um, but I would give him opportunities to to kind of reestablish himself and and give him chances to earn more playing time and earn his way back into the lineup because it, it's hard to you know just kick some sand on a guy who last year hit 19 home runs, still 63 bases and had a three sixty on base percentage. So, um, being that he's, that he's still so young, he's only 25, 26. I, I would err on the side of caution before just non-tendering him. And, you know, even though he's projected to earn about $3 million in free in, um, arbitration this year, his first run through, that's, that's still not really much. Um, and, you know the Brewers were willing to kind of roll the dice on, on tendering contracts to guys like Willie Peralta, who was pretty terrible for most of last season, but showed some signs of life signs of life towards the end of the year, and and um, you know even wound up getting a starting rotation job going into spring training this year. So um, I expect that the Brewers will bring him back. Um, I don't expect that they'll give him an everyday role, but I'm very interested to see what, what he could do. And, Sort of a super utility role if he's able to play the outfield adequately.
0: Yeah, it's not brought up a lot, but he was playing the outfield a fair amount, and then he had that one game where he really made some mistakes out there. I think that right. was the. He, I don't think he played outfield again after that game. I think that was it for him, if I remember correctly.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's right. And you know, Craig Council kind of alluded to the fact that he knew that they were taking a defensive risk. And you know he he talked about how there hadn't been any issues yet so far, and then the day that that he said that, you know, VR has has those couple of balls that gave him some trouble out in center field, and um, you know, like I said, if if he is able to maybe work on some outfield this winter um, during the off season, and then come in in spring training and and start getting some more experience out there where it's not. You know, it's the middle of or it's the beginning of September. You're in the middle of the pennant race, and we're throwing you out in a position that you've never played before.
0: Let me finish you off with this: Do you see a legitimate scenario where Ryan Braun, Lewis Brinson, Brett Phillips, and Domingo Santana are all on the opening day roster when next season begins?
1: Um, really, I. I guess I wouldn't exactly count on Lewis Brinson being on the opening day roster. Um, just given that he did have a lot of struggles during the year and he did, you know, end up missing a lot of time with injury. Um, the fact that Brett Phillips came on so strong at the end of the year, I think he's probably got, um, an early inside track on, on at least a share of the playing time out in center field. And, um, I I guess I don't really anticipate that the Brewers are ready to give up on, on Keon Broxton yet. And, um, you know, Broxton's season was, was frustrating and he can be a frustrating player at times. Um, but one of the big things that kind of weighed down his value this year, at least in terms of wins above replacement was, um, that the defensive metrics didn't really like his work in center field. And, you know, we he's made some poor plays out there, but we've seen that he can, you know, make some pretty incredible plays yeah. out there too. And you know, he's he's robbed a couple of home runs to win games. And um, you know, he can he can be a really impactful outfielder and just for, for whatever reason the, the metrics didn't didn't exactly like him this year, so he came in and checked in around a, a one win player or so. Um, but if you if you take what his metrics graded out as last year and, and put that into this year, then he probably would have been close to a two, two and a half win player. And that's, you know, an in, in average starting outfielder in, in major league baseball. So uh, I would anticipate that the group would probably bring Brockson back. Um, I, I just, I don't know that there's going to be a ton of trade interest or anything like that in him this winter. And, he's still going to be making late minimum next year. So it just, it doesn't seem like the right time to just cut bait on a guy like that. I mean, especially a guy who he just hit 20 home runs and stole 20 bases. He was one of the only nine players in the big leagues that did that this year. So that's, that's a pretty rare talent combination. And the Brewers just seem to have a, a pretty big affinity for, for those power speed guys. Um, so going into next season, um, I guess in spring training I I wouldn't be surprised to see the Brewers come out with an alignment of um Braun and Left, a platoon of Braxton and uh Phillips in center field and then um Domingo Santana in right field and then, you know, you've got Lewis Brinson, you give him time to get over his an injury and, and catch up on some of the at bats he might have missed out on. Um and uh, you know, he he'll be that first line of defense that in case of an injury or you know of um, some more poor, for, poor, for poor poor performance from a guy like uh, Keon Jackson or something, um, he'll be that first guy that'll that'll come up and, and be that first level of depth. But, you know, kind of like we talked about a little bit earlier, this isn't really a time that the Brewers are going to want to start thinning out that advanced outfield depth.
0: It might be the offseason, but I know you guys uh, continue to be very busy over at uh, Brew Crew Ball. What do you guys have uh, going on right now?
1: Um, right now, we're running through our uh, most valuable brewers series. Um, this week, we'll be looking at um, guys like uh, Manny Pena and um, uh, Josh Hader, some some of the key role players on the team. Um, and as the World Series kind of starts winding down here, we'll really jump in, start jumping into our off season coverage, and you know, take a look at the guys that are on their way out, the impending free agents. Um, talk more in-depth on the arbitration cases, look at some of these uh, potential non-tender guys, um, and really kind of delve into the free agent market, see, you know, analyze any sorts of fits out there, and, you know, just a whole lot of roster talk. (laughs)
0: Well, we'll uh, we'll get you on again. Uh, hopefully, a few more times at least uh, during the course of the off season, as uh, you know, the off season definitely has their seasons to the off season, I guess you can say. And we'll be going through all those uh, here over the next few months. But uh, Kyle, always appreciate the time. Uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, we encourage everybody to check out Brew Crew Ball, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon.
1: Yeah, sounds great. Always appreciate the opportunity to come on.
0: That is Kyle Lesneski joining us here on Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. And that is actually going to do it for uh, this week's program. Again, uh, we're going to do things, uh, especially until the World Series comes to an end and kind of the true baseball offseason gets started. Uh, The podcast might look a little bit different each week, uh, depending on which features uh, we do and do not do. But uh, for now, that's going to do it. From a baseball standpoint this week, the World Series does get underway It is going to start on Tuesday as uh, the World Series opens up uh, in Los Angeles with the Dodgers hosting the Astros. The Game 1 pitching matchup, it's a good one. Clayton Kershaw will get the start for the Dodgers. Dallas Keuchel is set to get the start for the Astros. Game 2 pitching matchup, Justin Verlander for uh, the Astros. Rich Hill for the Dodgers. That's going to be on Tuesday and Wednesday. And then on Thursday, it's going to be an off day. The series will shift to um, Houston for uh, Games uh, 3, 4, and 5. Five. And in Game uh, 3, it's going to be Yu uh, Darvish on the mound for the Dodgers. The Astros have not yet decided their starter. Game 4 on Saturday uh, in Houston, the Dodgers are going to go with Alex Wood. The Astros have not uh, determined a starter for uh, that game as well. And then uh, Game 5 would be Sunday if necessary before an off day on Monday. And then Tuesday and Wednesday, the 31st and 1st respectively, would be Games 6 and Seven. All right, that is it for uh, this week's edition of Brewers x the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. If you are someone who listens to Brewers Weekly each Thursday on uh, WTMJ, no show this week as the Bucks are playing uh, this Thursday night, so we'll be back with you uh, the Thursday after that for another edition of uh, Brewers Weekly. Look forward to talking to you again next week for another edition of this Brewers x the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode.
1: For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to the home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.